obviously you've come to the leading saints podcast because you love podcasts and you love consuming content in this manner uh, listening to a pre-recorded conversation or interview or presentation and we get a lot of good stuff here but nothing compares to an in-person retreat experience this is one thing i've learned in the last few years that we are infusing into our leading saints content is the need for in-person experiences also known as retreats so leading saints has started putting on retreats, both for men, women. Uh, we're going to play around with couples retreats and now we'll, we'll try it all. But retreats are a transformational experience. And I implore you to go check out leadingsaints.org slash gathering, where we list all of the upcoming retreats. Uh, some are open to register, others you can get on a waiting list, but we would love to have you at the next in-person retreat. Now, if you can't afford it, if there may be, if you price out of these opportunities, don't worry, we have very generous donors willing to put up money for scholarships. So either go there, check it out, register, or apply for a scholarship, and we'd love to have you at the next Gathering Saints retreat put on by Leading Saints. So go to leadingsaints.org slash gathering to check out the upcoming Gathering Saints retreats. So my name is Kurt Frankum, and I am the founder and executive director of Leading Saints and obviously the host of the Leading Saints podcast. Now, I started Leading Saints back in 2010. It was just a hobby blog, and it grew from there. By the time uh, 2014 came around, we started the podcast, and that's really when it got some uh, traction and took off. Uh, 2016, we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we've been growing ever since. And now I get the opportunity of interviewing and talking with remarkable people all over the world. Now, this is a segment we do on the Leading Saints podcast called how I lead. And we reach out to everyday leaders. They're not experts, gurus, authors, PhDs. They're just everyday leaders who've been asked to serve in a specific leadership calling. And we simply ask them, how is it that you lead? And they go through some remarkable principles that should be in a book, that should be behind a PhD. They're usually that good. And uh, we just talk about uh, sharing what the other guy's doing. And I remember being a leader, just simply wanting to know okay, I know what I'm trying to do, but what's the other guy doing? What's working for him? And so that's why every Wednesday or so, we publish these How I Lead segments to share. This week, we're headed down the hallway of the church to visit the primary. That's right. I talk with Jill Johnson, who is a stake primary president. And wow, she has some zingers in this episode for sure. And it reminds me that, you know, we need to have more primary How I Lead episodes. So this is a call out to uh, individuals, especially I'm trying to get more and more outside of the Jello Belt, as they call it, or the Wasatch Front, or uh, Idaho and Arizona. I mean, we love you all. I'm one of you, and we love you. However, I would love more uh, experiences, How I Lead episodes from outside of the the Mormon corridor and here's some voices elsewhere, even internationally. We'd love some more accents on the Leading Saints podcast. But again, Jill talks about some key components as far as how to elevate the primary in your ward and stake. And she's done some remarkable things and has some great approaches that maybe will help individuals do just that. 
Pay attention to how she connects with the ward primary presences on a regular basis so that a relationship begins to form there. And then we delve into the dynamic of the primary presidency and the bishopric uh, and how they work together. Sometimes that can be a very passive aggressive relationship or a relationship that doesn't really feel like even exists. And so what do we do about that? Really fascinating discussion. I think you'll enjoy it. Here's my interview with Jill Johnson, the stake primary president. Today, I'm sitting down with Jill Johnson. How are you, Jill? Doing wonderful. How are you? Very good. And we'll give a shout out to Brooke Oniki. I say her last name right? I think you I did. Know. Perfect. Uh, she recommended your name, but we all sort of hung out together uh, last year at the Gathering Saints uh, Women's Retreat that Leading Saints uh, put on. And uh, maybe just give it what, maybe explain that uh, experience to the audience. Oh, it was awesome. Um so I saw the emails come out and about it, and I wanted to go so bad, but I was a little nervous, but I just felt called. <laughs> I really did feel called to go. And then one of the emails you sent out said, if you feel called, come. And then Brooke, who is in my stake, said, hey, I'm going to this. Do you want to go with me? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm going. And it was just, it was a wonderful experience. I I honestly um, expected a lot more lot to go into leadership training and skills and all that stuff, which we did touch on. But really, the main thing that happened for me was just, um, well, I think Dan Duckworth said it best, where he said leadership, they did this study where leadership is more about character than skills. And so it yeah. was a retreat that helped build my character. And so I came home from it super on fire, super excited to lead and, and try to make a change. So it was great. Nice. Well, and, uh, for those listening, if you want to, uh, enjoy a similar retreat, we're actually have one scheduled for, what is it? Uh, October 16th, 17th, and 18th in Aspen Grove, just outside of Ute, uh, Provo, Utah. And uh, so we hope people uh, fill it up. And, and this is probably, I think on my schedule, I have this episode being released in July of 2023. And so that there's probably will still be some space available. Uh, if not, you can get on our waiting list, whatnot, but that people can go to leadingsaints.org slash gathering and see all the details. And uh, maybe even Jill will be back. Who knows? That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Love to. Awesome. Now, Jill, we're, uh, this is a How I Lead episode where we're going to explore your time as a stake primary president. Is that right? That's right. Yep. Awesome. And you are in what area of the world? And uh, maybe just give us the typical rundown of, of the church in your area. Sure. Uh, we are in South Jordan, and it is an older area, so our primary is pretty small. We have just over 400 kids in the whole stake, which I know there are some wards that could maybe rival that <laughs> in some areas. But So we do have older dynamic. Um, some wards are just really small with a handful of kids, and then other wards in other parts of the stake that have 60 to 80 kids in their wards. So it's a little different dynamic there that we have. Awesome. 
And did you have opportunity to be a ward primary president before this go? No, actually, I was for about a year, I was in my ward primary presidency, but I've actually spent most of my leadership time in Relief Society or in Young Women. So this was a new experience for me. So what's the story behind uh, being called? Was it, did it come as a shock? Um, I'd kind of been feeling some things like I, it's always for me, it's, I start thinking about, well, how would I serve in that calling if I was in that calling? And when I start getting those thoughts, then I kind of put myself on alert. (laughs) So, okay, what's going on? And so when we were called in, um, they were also, um, staffing Trek at the time. And so we were sure that it was just going to be a calling for Trek. I like pushed my mind that this calling out of my mind, I didn't, I didn't want to think that this might happen, but I extended the calling and I just, I, I knew, I knew that it was where I needed to serve. So. Awesome. Um, and so how long has it been since you've been in this role? Um, I was called about a year and a half ago. Okay. And anything come to mind just uh, the the first few weeks stepping into this role or in preparation to the actual sustaining and setting apart? Um, lots of things, actually. I When I was first called, I had just kind of come out of a personal tragedy. And mm-hmm. so I was struggling with connecting with the spirit and um, feeling worth and had a lot of social anxiety. But I felt it was really important to be in the primaries and to visit the primaries. And so I decided, okay, I'm just going to go. And I went to my first primary meeting and she invited me to come up and introduce myself. And I totally felt like I messed up. Like I just blabbered all over the place. And then I went home and I'm like, oh, that was so awful. (laughs) And Mm. I'm like, okay, I'm just never going back to a primary again. I'm not, I'm not putting myself in that situation. I'll just leave from the background. They don't need to know that I feel like I need to be in primary And I was just laying there that night, just like beating myself up because I felt so imperfect. And I kind of had this experience where I had this picture open up in my mind. And because I was just praying, I was like, Heavenly Father, do I really have to do it that way? Do I have to be present in this calling? Can I just just hide? And this picture opened up in my mind of, of two paths. And one was sunshine and butterflies and easy. And I knew that I could take that path and it would be fine. And the other one was um, all uphill and it was Mm. dark, not like mists of darkness, dark, but um, dark in that I knew I couldn't see it and that I would have to step out into that um, and have faith to be able to grow. And I sensed that he was okay with Either way, I could choose either path, and it was up to me um, what path I wanted to choose. And it took me about a week, (laughs) but the next Sunday I was in another primary, and um, since then we've been climbing up that steep hill, trying to make change and trying to serve and learn and grow the best that we can as a presidency. So. Wow. I, I just really appreciate you share that that story because I think so many can relate to that, especially, you know, in the first few weeks of a daunting role and you give it a go and you just completely mess it up, you know, and it's, man, <laughs> there's, there's so much, um, I don't know, it's just so much resistance in those moments of being like, you know what, I'm just going to totally dial this back and do minimal effort, you know, and it's as harder than I thought it would be. Uh, but, uh, 
feel that encouragement come is really helpful. Yeah, well, especially in a stake role, because really you have to be self-motivated and you have to be accountable for yourself because there's no one that's keeping tabs on you. And so if I don't go and visit the primaries, no one's going to know. It's just that's between me and the Lord. Right. And so um, for me, I just I needed that experience to show that I, I did have a choice and which way do I want to go? So, yeah. Yeah, I love it. So. You sent me some notes here, as, sure. as I typically request to uh, have you just start thinking about principles and concepts that have really helped you in your leadership uh, journey here. And it came down to this theme of elevate primary. Uh, maybe give us the backstory to that. Sure. Uh, when we were first called, we received some training from, I think, what it's called the General advisory council used to be the primary board, right? But it's the advisory council now. (laughs) And they encouraged us to elevate primary everywhere we could. They said too often we're, we're in this habit of saying, Oh, I'm just a primary teacher or I I'm just in primary. They said, get rid of that, get rid of the just Um, we're elevating primary. And they said, primary is actually one of the most sacred callings in the church because we are, doing a great work with these young children. We're the missionaries that are teaching them and and helping prepare them and introducing them to Jesus, right? And so they said, please just elevate primary um, everywhere you go. And at first I thought the elevating primary meant that as long as I told enough people and told the right people, then they would automatically think primary is great and we would be good. But uh, that didn't last very long, (laughs) and the reality was a little different, and I realized that it's more about elevating ourselves and how we serve in primary and how we view primary, and as we elevate ourselves, then we elevate those around us. And it's kind of like there was a quote somewhere that said, we're the, the rising tide that lifts the ships, and that's what we're trying to do in elevating primary is not put ourselves or put the primary organization above other organizations, but to be the rising tide that helps everyone elevate and everyone get a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, I I love this concept of, you know, this is like the beginning steps of establishing a culture is just sort of, even just in a few words, here's two words, right? Elevate primary, just giving, sort of setting this out that we're going to do this differently, but in a good way and on a higher level. uh, I mean, I think, there's just so many examples in the scriptures, in leadership in general, about how that's effective in doing that. So, um, so you walked away from like this was like a like a broadcast you watched with the. It was a Zoom call, and it's something they do. I, th- I think quarterly. Oh, cool! And with new uh, presidencies, and so we had I think there's maybe like 200 people on the Zoom call, and that was all the presidencies, all the priesthood leaders that were over primary. So, yeah. Love it. And so you walked away from that. Did they give you specific direction as far as this is what we're going to focus on? Or did you take from that and say, this is what we're going to focus on? They did give us some invitations, but they, as in a very general way, because they are the general board, the general (laughs) council. And so we kind of dissected everything that they taught us and pulled out the invitations that, um, that we wanted to focus on. So, yeah. Cool. So what happened after that meeting then? I mean, how do you start carrying this out? Yeah. So there's three ways that we have, or three areas that we've really looked at elevating primary. And the first is with the children. The second is with the ward primary leaders. And then the third is with our stake leadership itself. 
And so the very first thing was we wanted to start elevating um, what's happening in primary. And these this this whole part came from the that training meeting that we got, but um, we felt like we needed to elevate Jesus in primary. Because even though so many good things were happening in our primaries and they were teaching doctrine and you felt good while you were in there, they're doing really good things. It was amazing how little we talked about Jesus and how little his name actually was said in primary. So that was our first goal was to elevate Jesus in primary. And we had uh, what we call the four Jesus invitations. And the first is um, to begin primary with Jesus. And these these all came from the training with the auxiliary board. These are the, the things that we pulled from their training. But the first is to begin with Jesus. And their suggestion was just to have artwork at the beginning or at, at the front of the room so that when the kids came in, they were welcomed by Jesus with his pictures there. And um, we've kind of elevated that a little bit. And we've invited our primary presidencies to actually say his name in some way at the beginning. So when they're welcoming the kids, they're saying, we're so glad you're here. We're so excited to learn about Jesus with you today. But they're saying his name because we just felt like there was so much power in just saying his name. So that is how we begin primary with Jesus. And then the second invitation is to center primary on Jesus. And this is mostly with the singing time. And this is where we they spend so much of primary in the singing time. And this is a really powerful part of primary. But we were finding that we were talking about prophets and scriptures and little streams and apricot trees, and which are all good things. But we just invited them to say, well, what does this apricot tree have to do with Jesus? Mm. And tie everything, every song they sang, every game they played. How does this teach us about Jesus? What does this have to do with Jesus? And so that's how we're having them, we're inviting them to center primary on Jesus is just everything is tied back to Jesus. So that's the second invitation. The third invitation is to focus on the children. Um, We found that there was, because the song leaders up there running things, that time was sometimes used as business time for our our ward presidencies. And they would be out in the hall visiting or having meetings or in the back. And so one of the invitations that the general advisory council gave us was to move the presidencies up to the front of the room or to the side so they could see the faces of the kids. And they really wanted us to be able to have a chance to see the faces of the kids and help them see their faces as they were feeling the spirit, um, recognize and help them recognize that they were feeling the spirit. Um, and so by having the presidency sitting up at the front, they're able to look at the kids, recognize the spirit and, and really um, teach the kids that that's what they're feeling. Man, I, I love, I love that. And then number yeah. four is to, to end primary with Jesus. So, you know, Jesus is the alpha and the omega. And so we begin primary with Jesus and we end primary with Jesus. And that looks like bearing testimony of him. And, that could be in singing time, that could be in their primary classes. But the last thing that they hear before they, they leave primary is a testimony of Jesus. So that's how yeah. we're elevating Jesus in primary right now in our sake. So cool. I, in my mind, naturally just went to, uh, you know, I attended the temple two days ago. Um, and just the changes in the recent temple, there were, it's not that they've dramatically changed the the endowment, um, you know, they've changed some text and some verbiage and whatnot, but they've elevated Jesus in that. And, and just have, yes. even in the simple way that you 
address here is we're just going to use a lot more pictures of Jesus, you know, and uh, we can use that principle that we're learning in the temple and that you've implemented here in in all aspects, whether it's sacrament meeting or ward council or whatever it is. Exactly. How can we elevate Jesus? I yeah. love that. Yeah, we do that in our presidency meetings. We start by learning about Jesus and then we end with someone bearing a testimony of Jesus. And that has just helped our presidency meetings even be elevated. And and you talk about the temple and that's the one amazing thing that we result that we have really seen from this, doing this now for a year and a half. And we used to go in primary and it felt good, but now we walk into primary and it feels sacred and it feels like a temple. Like it doesn't look like a temple because they're still bouncing off the walls and they're singing and they're loud, but it feels that sacred feel is there. And I know that's because we've elevated Jesus and just made him the center of primary and made him the most important thing that we we do in primary. Yeah. And so many um, opportunities there to teach doctrine. Uh, you know, obviously, Give Said the Little Stream, Apricot Tree, you know, like these are fun songs and they have a strong tradition and I hope we continue to sing them, but to sort of take a moment with the kids and even talk about the creation of what Jesus Christ did in creating these things, right? Now they've got that, you know, drop of doctrinal understanding that's just going to build and I love it. So, all right, the next principle, uh, the next elevating principle is elevate leadership of primary. Tell me about that. Yeah. So this was our focus on our board leaders. And we recognized really soon that a lot of our primary leaders were really young in leadership. This was their first chance or first opportunity to lead. And I think that might be common where you see a lot more of the younger leaders in primary, not as seasoned. And we, we still have some seasoned leaders, but most of our leaders just haven't had a chance to have leadership callings. And so this is their first time. So we felt very strongly that we could help them elevate what they did if we taught them, mentored them a little bit in leadership skills, um, modeled it. We provide a monthly leadership class that or a principle that we focus on. And we just felt it was important to help them grow their leadership skills. And so two things that we have really focused on that maybe it's because when I was first a leader, it took me forever to learn these things. But two things that we have tried to model for them is number one, having vision. And then number two, having good communication. So when I first had a leadership position, I worked my tail off and we just went around in circles and we did a lot of circling. And it was because I didn't know how to have a vision. I didn't know how to, to find vision or point people toward that vision. And so we, at the very beginning of our presidency, were actually felt very inspired about the vision that our stake needed um, our stake vision is that our primaries are sanctuaries of faith. And so we're building sanctuaries of faith in primary, which is a lot of where Jesus comes in because he is our sanctuary. But everything we do now in primary is is uh, focused on building that sanctuary of faith. So adding to that, even the leadership we do with these leaders, we're like, this is going to help us build a sanctuary of faith. We're working on having the primary participate in the work of salvation and exaltation. And that is because, you know, Jesus is our foundation. And then the rest of our sanctuary, the walls and the roof and the windows, that's the work of salvation and exaltation. And so all of that is building toward our vision. And so I feel like it's so important. I, I don't know how to you would lead. I don't know how to lead without a vision. I think it, well, you just go around in circles like I did. So having that vision is so important. So we've tried to model that. And then the second one is communication. And when I first was a leader, a young leader, I just thought, well, 
I'm busy. Everyone should communicate in the way that I communicate because I'm the leader and I need them to <laughs> fall into what I'm doing because I don't have time. But that obviously didn't work out very well. And I just had to learn that I had to, I had to be hundred percent accountable or responsible for the communication that happened. And so I developed what we call our uh, three for three rule. And that is just, we communicate in three different ways. So we communicate electronically, we communicate in person and we communicate um, by paper. So electronically might be an email or a text. The church email hasn't been working really great lately. So we have a group me that we have the presidents on to make sure we have an electronic. The in-person might be an announcement in church, a visit to someone, and then the paper would be like a flyer, a handout, a poster. So we're doing those three levels of communication for almost everything we do. And then if it's like a big activity, we'll start three months out and then we do it, at, uh, we start hitting it hard at three weeks and then reminders at three days. And then especially for youth and kids, we'll maybe a text at, at three hours or three minutes if we need to. But just that kind of progression of communication has really helped to elevate our meetings, elevate primary. We have had amazing turnouts. And I, I think that's just a really simple skill that leaders can learn that will help leadership and help elevate what they're trying to do in their organizations. Yeah. So with those three forms of communication, like you have, you've communicated to your, like the ward presidencies that this, these are the three ways in which we will communicate with you. And so it sort of sets the standard of, you know, making sure you're checking your email or uh, do we have right. your, your phone number? You know, are you in the group me or those types right. of things? Is that, well, we, we have told them that, but we also recognize that not everyone checks their email. Not mm -hmm. everyone listens to announcements. And so our hope is just by doing those three, one of those is going to to speak or connect with with them. So that's our that's why we do the three different ways. Nice, nice. Um, and then you're talking about so these aren't monthly leadership meetings per se that you you hold or or they, they may just be an email or maybe it's, get down to the nuts and bolts of how that works. Sure. So it's actually a group me. And we just okay. have invited everyone who wants to participate to come. And so we don't have everyone there, but we want those who want to learn leadership skills. And so then just every month we'll post a principle, a leadership principle that's based on the church's uh, lead in the Savior's way, I think it's called, mm -hmm. or leading like, lead like the Savior in a way. Um, and so we just have that principle. We have some conference talks. I post podcasts, a lot of them from leading saints. Oh, we'll go on. Thank you. <laughs> yes. There's awesome content there. So anyway, so we'll, so, and just during that whole month, we're just providing um, resources for them. And then we've invited them to study them together as a presidency. And so that's, and then once the month's over, we say, okay, how did it go? What did you learn? And we kind of come back and, and have yeah. some discussion on it. So. Yeah. And I think I just love the like the deeper principle there because, um, you know, a lot of people move into stake roles from ward roles, um, leadership roles. Right. And sometimes there is that mistake. Maybe that's the too strong of a word where those leadership, those stake, you know, the stake primary presidency wants to focus on all the children in the stake. And it, obviously you're stepping on toes when you do that. You're maybe inserting yourselves in a place where the ward primary presidency already has direction or inspiration and kind of gets messy. And so just to 
mainly stay focused on leading those ward presidencies, the 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 ward primary leaders, and then just and it's not like you have to do this grandiose, you know, we're going to do a breakfast every month and invite all the primary leaders, but just like dropping in these these leadership thoughts, messages in the simplest way. And then just that, just the consistency that I imagine that, you know, if a ward primary president's really struggling, they're going to feel a little more comfortable reaching out to Jill and saying, Jill, I don't know, like I, we tried this and this is not working. Can we talk about it for a minute? Right. Yeah. Well, and that's what we found. And we love that we have been able to build really strong relationships with these presidents and for the mm-hmm. most part. And so they are reaching out to us and, hey, I'm struggling with this. Or I just had this happen in primary. What, what have you seen? And um, what can you advise? And like yesterday, I just had one of the presidents text me and say, can you believe this is happening? I don't know what to do. And um, I love that we have were able to be there for him. Um, I had someone say to me, when I was in a, a presidency, I would never have thought to talk to my stake leaders because they just weren't there. I didn't know who they were. And that kind of makes me sad because I feel like we have so much potential. And this kind of goes to my third point. So if you want to move over to oh, that one. But, perfect um, transition. Go yeah, for this it. This is a great transition. <laughs> but stake leaders have that opportunity to really bless and mentor the ward leaders. And sometimes I think we we do that maybe too softly mm-hmm. um, where we aren't present. We don't know our people. And by reward conference and call it good, right? <laughs> exactly. Yep. That's, that's when they see us, but now we're going in and the kids even know us just because we've been there. They, they know our faces. Mm-hmm. And so we've had opportunities where the primary presence are like, I really need to get this training to my teachers, but I cannot get them all in. Would you be able to come and just take over primary while I train my teachers. And so we'll go in and we'll take over primary and lead primary. And so anyway, the kids are getting to know us and we're just doing things that are supporting the leaders. Um, And I think that's a great power that the stake has that maybe doesn't always get access to as as much. Yeah. And so that, that a third elevate is elevate stake primary calling. Is that how you're framing that one? Yes. Cause when I, uh, was first called. I had a friend that said, so what does the stake primary even do? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I know that they were involved with baptisms, but in our stake, because we have such a small stake that is done um, very individually on the ward level. And so mm-hmm. other than washing clothes, we don't actually have much to do. And we actually called someone <laughs> to be the clothes washer because I didn't want to <laughs> wash the clothes. <laughs> and so yeah. um, I don't have anything to do with the baptisms. So then what does the stake primary even do? And so as we were praying about it, the answer actually came in a form of a question. And it was, well, what would the save? how would the Savior serve if he were in your calling? And as we thought about it, we knew, we knew he'd be in with the primary, with the primary, he would be in with the kids and he would be in with those leaders and get to know them and minister to them and love them so that he could support them when they needed it. So that was, that's been something that's very important to us is to be there and also another part of that is to not just be siloed in primary. So when I go to a state council meeting or when they go to ward council meetings, not just sit there and say, oh, I'm only here to represent primary. I'm not going to say anything because that doesn't have anything to do with primary, but to be actively involved and invested in the success of in the growth of the stake, because that's what Jesus would do. He wouldn't just sit in the corner of the room and wait for 
his turn to talk about primary, but he would be actively invested in trying to elevate the ward. Right. So, yeah. What else in the category of elevating stake primary that we haven't touched on? Um, I, so like we, like I mentioned, a stake calling is kind of hard when you go into it because there's just not a lot of guidance in how to serve in a stake organization, um, especially the primary where there's not a state camp. There's not a, a women's conference that we have to plan. There's just really not much that yeah. we have to do, but so as I do a primary with, camp, that would be interesting. <laughs> wouldn't that be awesome? That would be awesome. Um, we do do a, an activity once a year, but that's yeah. not all we get. Um, right. So as I've been studying about the role of the stake leaders, I have just felt like the stake is really the guardian of the structure, for lack of a better mm. phrase, where I am not I don't have stewardship over those children. Um, I don't really I have leadership over the leaders, but I don't really have stewardship over them. But maybe I have stewardship over the organization itself. And so my role is to make sure the organization is running as effectively as possible. And that comes through trainings, that comes through modeling, leadership skills. But as a stake leader, that's my role is just to make sure the primary organization itself is running according to the handbook. Basically. Mm. Not that I want to be letter of the law, but those are the bounds that the Lord has set in my mind, the the handbook. And so we just want, to, and I think if we can organize or run our organizations according to what the handbook says, then there's just, it, there comes a power to, there's a power and there's protection and there's peace um, when we're staying within those bounds that the Lord has set. So um, one thing that I've noticed too, is that the stake has just this bigger viewpoint of things. And so when a ward is struggling with something, a ward might think, oh, this is awful and so huge. But then I'm like, well, I'm looking at all nine wards that we have. And I'm seeing that across the board, like every single ward is struggling with that. So what is it about the organization of primary that's not working? Mm -hmm. So having that bigger viewpoint, I can say, okay, this is not just isolated to one ward. And um, there's two issues, and I've heard people talk about them on Leading Saints before, so I know that it's not just in my stake that this happens, but um, two issues I've noticed that come up in primary over and over again. And the first is that the primary teachers feel forgotten or ignored, invisible when they're in primary. And the second is this issue of communication, maybe some tension between bishoprics and the primary leaders. What? So, I've never heard of this. I know, right? That <laughs> never happens. <laughs> um, so we just have really tried to say, well, what is it that in the organization that's not there, that's not set up, that's missing, that might be causing those, those issues? And so for the first one with the issue of the primary teachers feeling forgotten, um, we felt like what was happening is just a misunderstanding of the scaffolding of primary. So we have... The scaffolding would be the bishop and bishopric, then the primary presidency, then the teachers and the song leader, and then the children. And right now what happens, I think, is the primary presidency is focused solely on the kids a lot of times. And so, and the primary teachers are focused on the kids. And then the primary teachers just don't have that leadership or those people that are above them to, to minister to them. And so we've just focused on 
Okay, primary presidency, your job is to make your primary teachers happy. <laughs> and if you can make them happy, you can love them, administer them, say hi to them, call them by name. Um, I don't know how many times I've heard primary teacher just say, no one even talks to me. I can go to church, I can go to primary, and no one even talks to me other than kids. I get no adult conversation. Um, well, if we can straighten out that scaffolding and make sure the primary presidency is ministering heavily to the teachers and to the song leader, then that's going to strengthen the kids more than anything else they do. Because the teachers and the song leader are the two that get the most face time with the kids. And they're the ones that know the kids the most. The primary presidency welcomes them and dismisses them. And that's basically yeah, gone are the days get. of sharing time, right? Right. Yeah. Now with the new way it's organized, they don't have that face time. And so um, that has helped as as pr our primary presidencies have embraced that, we're seeing a little shift now. Instead of people like, oh, I don't want to be in primary, people are getting more and more excited about wanting to be in mm. primary. So we're liking mm. the shift that we're seeing there. And then the second issue is a little bit trickier um, because it might actually be a handbook issue. <laughs> and because in, and the second issue being um, the tension between bishoprics and primary presidents sometimes, because in the handbook under the bishop section, it says that the bishop assigns primary to a counselor. And then in the primary section, it says the bishop can be over primary or he can assign a counselor. So there's the mm, order. So we kind of we go with the primary definition of it <laughs> uh -huh. because what we've done is we – we, our stake president has asked our bishops to meet with our primary presidents um, because they may not have as many ministering needs as really society or young women have, but they being most of the times are the largest organization in the ward. And so they have more administrative needs. And so sometimes when you get that middleman, the urgency gets lost. And so we have a primary president who's like, I need a nursery leader like two months ago. And then the bishopric member will come in and say, yeah, we really ought to get someone for nursery. We just lose that urgency when it's not a face-to-face. -face. And so we've kind of eliminated that middleman yeah. as much as we could. I, I mean, there's stuff still, that, you know, but for for the most part, um, we're, we've invited those bishops to meet right with the primary presidents. Not that we want to add to their load, but that's how we're we see a way right now with how things are set up to be able to avoid that tension between in that calling. So, yeah, now there is, there are some, and maybe uh, somebody in the priesthood and family departments listening about, there well, are these not. little discrepancies <laughs> where like, I think if I remember right, I could be wrong. This may be a good invitation for all those listening to maybe go jump into the handbook and, and review yes. this. But I think in the general handbook, there is this feeling because, you know, there's been a shift where the bishopric's focus is on the youth. And in my opinion, there's sometimes this too much of a shift where they hyper focus on the youth. And then, you know, primary feels, you know, abandoned, uh, yeah. where I think the general handbook more creates this uh, perception of the, the bishopric is focused on not just the youth, but all primary age to uh, young adult age. So that's mm -hmm. what, two years old to 29 years old. Yeah. But then in like the Bishop, uh, I forget the names of, they have like sort of these secondary handbooks, you know, in the app, in the Bishopric, you know, callings uh, section that gives 
says a little bit more of like, no, the bishop's actually more focused on the youth, you know, the the teenage year youth. Right. And so nonetheless, there there's sort of these these discrepancies, but uh the I think it's just it really is easy these days because the bishop want to do a good job with the youth and there's a lot of a lot happening there, you know, a lot of need there. And so it's really easy for the primary to get lost in the shuffle a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking generally, but that yeah. sounds like what you're experiencing. Yeah, that's what we've experienced or where primary teachers or the primary presidents will find out that someone has been called to primary as they get called in sacrament meeting. Like there's just this communication that's not ha- breakdown that's not happening. And so that's what yeah. we're looking for there. But yeah. one really interesting thing to your point is in that training meeting that they gave us at the beginning, they said that in the church, we used to u- lose our youth at ages 14 to 15. We are now on average losing the youth at ages 10 and 11. Oh, and wow. so I know, isn't that crazy? And obviously families, that has to do with families because not not a, minute, a lot of 10, 11 year olds are probably making that choice themselves. Right. But um, that's why they invited us to elevate primaries. Like the need to make primary stronger and um, build up primary is greater because we have, we're losing those youth. And, and then they said, but so many families are coming back to the church because of their children who are saying, I have to go to primary. My primary teacher will miss me. I need to go. And so as we elevate primary and make that a really special place, then, then the children want to be there. They get their families there and we're stronger altogether. So, yeah. You know, uh, I think back my time serving as a Bishop, like a few like unwritten rules that I had is that I really felt like as the Bishop, every member of my ward council deserves a sit down appointment with the Bishop every month. And there's a lot of times it would be on the calendar. I'd walk into the office with the primary president and I'm thinking we got nothing to talk about. And sometimes we didn't, you know, maybe it was a five, 10 minute interaction, just catching up on how's your family doing and everything going well in the primary. But just that consistent interaction with the primary president felt like I have a connection, a place, a platform where I can bring some concerns to the bishop directly, not necessarily to the, you know, bishop or counselor. Um, and then, man, if like this whole uh, callings dynamic, especially in the primary with so many callings, there's there can be a lot of turnover sometimes. All the time. And if if you can oil that machine of callings as a bishopric to to getting a turnaround of like seven days. Like that was always our target. The oh, primary president submits a name and seven yeah. days later, that person can, can be set apart, you know, like awesome. And, and sometimes it's hard, you know, cause wow, there's all these names coming in. Bishop, I mean, we weren't able to meet like, like make this system work because if you can get those turnarounds on callings, especially the, for the primary, like that's three fourths of the battle in my opinion, like just yes. knowing that, we are going to submit this name and we're going to have a nursery leader by next week or right. by the latest the week after that. You know, that can go so far with so just keeping far. people engaged in their calling. Yeah. And just just feeling heard is so important. Yeah. And as you're taking action on their needs, they're feeling heard. And so they're feeling important and engaged in their calling. So. Yeah, really powerful stuff and something to think about. Not that, you know, people have to do our way or, no, but no, no, no. <laughs> but these are concerns that are so prevalent amongst, especially primary leaders where there's, I don't feel heard. My yeah. callings take forever to get through the system. Um, and, and there's so much that can happen just 
with simple conversations on a regular basis. You know? Yeah, for sure. So well, this is super informative. Uh, I appreciate your preparation in this and sharing your perspective and hopefully it inspires others, um, especially those who maybe feel a little discouraged in their primary calling. Please know that you have a community of an international community of primary leaders that are, that are cheering for each other. So really good stuff. Uh, Jill, last question I have for you is as you reflect on your time as a leader in the primary, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Um, I think besides parenting, uh, leadership might be the most humbling situation <laughs> that I've been asked to do. Um, and it's leadership is really just an invitation to grow, to learn, um, to learn to communicate with Jesus. All the stuff we talked about, none of that belongs to me. That was all through counseling and inspiration and revelation from Heavenly Father, and which makes me so grateful, but I've recognized that it doesn't matter how much inspiration I get, how much talent I have, how creative I am in a leadership calling, um, the ward leaders still have to choose to buy in to it. And really the power in leadership comes in the use of agency by others to act. And as I've recognize this and I watch people, I've seen three kind of different ways that people choose to, to act. Um, one, some people just embrace it and just take off. Second one, people maybe are a little slower. They're thinking about it. They're moving forward, but maybe not at such a fast pace. They get caught up a little bit in what I call the traditions of our fathers. Um, <laughs> and, and then the third way is people just opt out. And as I've thought about how I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to fit into that first group where when he tells me to do something or gives me counsel through revelation or through the prophet, I want to embrace it and then just take off. I want to be considered one of his minutemen who will he knows that he can rely on and and as I have seen and felt the joy when I go into a primary and I see them embracing things, I want to give Jesus that joy by the way I follow him as well. And that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email on social media in a text, wherever it makes the most sense and share it with somebody who could relate to this, this experience. And this is how we how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guys doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And uh, that's that's where great leaderships discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, uh, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, uh, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org slash contact. Maybe send this in individual an email, letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them. And... Uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. Remember, we'd love to have you at our next in-person retreat. Go check out the different options and locations where we're having these at leadingsaints.org slash gathering.
It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness, the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.